morning. It is Thursday, the 6th of April. It's Happy TV. Um, Right, this is a a bit of an experiment. So for a while, we've been doing this thing called Community TV for our community, and it's been a private thing. Um, And it's been a rundown of what's going on in the community. And to be honest, it got a bit dry because it got a bit formulaic, and it was just me talking about what's been going on in the Slack group and not particularly interesting. I kind of lost energy for it. I'm sure some of you liked it, but um, it, I don't know if, it, if enough of you liked it. And this is one of the things that really we're interested in knowing is that's why we're going to do it on Facebook is the more people who like this stuff, the more likely we're going to do it again. Uh, so we've been using Zoom and recently Zoom has allowed you to actually do Facebook Live. So this is what we're doing, Facebook Live. And today we're going to experiment with this format of actually kind of looking at a piece of a uh, particularly a blog post that Laura's written recently about simplicity not being simple. Talking about that, I would like you guys to ask any questions and we're going to be kind of hopefully prompting you to ask some questions. I'll be staring at my screen to see if anything pops up during the meantime. Um, but really about trying to engage you in all of this stuff that we do, whether it's blog posts, videos, uh, webinars, it's really about trying to build some connection within the community. These are kind of talking points for you guys to feedback not only to us, but to each other. And we see particularly in the Facebook group, the summer camp group and on the Slack group, seeing these conversations happen is a way of really getting to know each other and develop our ideas. So to kick off today, we're talking about creating more simplicity in our lives. And you've got a structure going on here, haven't you? Um, makes it sound very, uh, very academic. Uh, <laughs> so hi everyone, I'm Lawrence. Um, um, so yeah, I wrote a blog post last week about simplicity. And I think that really came from, um, I don't know where it came from actually. I think it was just one of those thoughts that comes into your head. Um, I read a book recently called Essentialism. That's probably where it came from. Um, some of you may have read it. It's all around how to, essentially how to create a simpler life for yourself in your work um, and how to say no really. I think that's one of the key takeaways I got from that book is how difficult it is actually to make positive changes around a simpler life. So that's where the blog post, I suppose the theme of the blog post is really how can you um, aim for a simpler life, but understand that it's not going to be simple. <laughs> that makes sense. So um, we meet a lot of people who are starting out with some positive changes. So maybe they're looking to start a business. Sometimes they're looking to transition career. Generally, that, they're at that point of transition. Um, and often for them, it's less, you know, they want less um, pressure, less stress. They want to be able to just, you know, have a bit more calm in their lives or in their, their work. And so... Um, but that's really hard. And actually, sometimes the easiest thing is to stick with the more complex life, filling your life with stuff, filling your life with... Um, or even maybe your time maybe they don't realise they don't want less stress. They think they want more stuff because more stuff will make them happy. Yeah, that's the thing is we've... Um, so I suppose we've been on this journey for like a few years at the Happy Startup School and been really curious about what makes us tick, what makes people what makes people happy, what makes people fulfilled at work, what makes people want to get up in the morning and actually, you know, look, look forward, <laughs> do shit and uh, not feel shit. There you go. There's a, a t-shirt That's a t-shirt, there. <laughs> definitely. And a mug. A mug, yeah. Coming to a, a merchandise shop near you soon. Um, but yeah, I think we've been on this um, journey and we've met some amazing people who've written books or thought leaders around all this stuff. And one of the things that interests me is just how we can learn to kind of step back from that consumerist culture and actually you know, decide what we want internally and then through that not feel the need to fill our life with stuff and with more and more. Um, in, in terms of our approach to business, we've always tried to um, think differently about how you start a business because, you know, a lot of the time people think you need money, you need to be able to grow, you need to get bigger presses, you need more, more, more. And if you follow the sort of Silicon Valley 
sort of model for how startups work. Scale, it's growth, all, it's all about scale. It's all about that kind of hockey stick growth in the chart. Um, and then we, what we find is founders, people who started those things, they get along that journey and then they, they kind of go, okay, now I'm either burnt out or I'm stressed because I've got VCs on my back who need more. They want to see growth all the time. They're looking for margins to be pushed and for, you know, all the human side of things to be kind of eliminated and just scaling numbers. And, you know, we're trying to create an alternative view of that. So to some extent, our approach is, is about a simpler business. How can you create a business that's going to fulfill you, but also deliver the impact you're looking for? And so I suppose what we'll talk a little bit about in the session is um, how you can do that, ways to think about it, questions to ask yourself, and, um, yeah, how to be able to deal with people who are going to question you because... That's one thing I found is you need to develop a really thick skin. Um, otherwise, you'll just end up following other people's views of your your business or your life. You know, you'll end up um, them deciding that for you. Oh, we're going to start talking about being selfish, aren't we? <laughs> it's about being otherish. Otherish, yeah. otherish. No, uh, for me, the way it's it hits me the whole simple life it is really much about um, when you're making decisions or trying to work out what to do next. If you're not clear as to what it is you want from your, for yourself and what you want to achieve, then you start making, you start having to analyze stuff. It's like, oh, you know, you do this SWOT analysis and you start getting feedback, you know, you start asking opinions from other people, you start thinking about how, how other people are going to think about your choices. Well, if you're much more, uh, if you internalize actually, what do I need? Well, I want to be happy. And I, the things, and what are the things you don't like, and the things that really piss, not only piss you off, but just you don't, you can't work. So I hate working in, uh, in a, an environment where I feel like I'm not being heard and I'm not uh, allowed to be creative. So anywhere, when I, I could have gone into a corporate business and I, like I probably would have, to a certain level, enjoyed the structure of it, but internally I knew I would have probably died slowly in my soul because I, I wouldn't have been able to have that level of autonomy and I probably wouldn't have the level of creativity and the impact I would have made would probably be very, very small relative to everyone else. And so instinctively, not consciously, instinctively, I veered away from those kind of choices. So I think if you're kind of uh, talking about what Lawrence is saying about knowing needs, what, what is you need? Sometimes we explicitly know we need something. Or sometimes you just feel, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Even though there's a load of money there, I know it, it, I will, it just won't feel right. Mm -hmm. And being able to tap into that feeling right, I think, is the challenge a lot of people have. Yeah. I think one thing I found was when you you almost try to look ahead and see where will this take me. So I know my only ever job that I've ever had when I was in a salary job 20 years ago, um, I could see people who were older than me, 10 years older, and I just thought, I don't want to be that guy. Um, you know, they were looking at me as if like, you know, one day you can have what I've got, you, know, you can have the big house, the big car, um, trophy the, wife. The, the, the trophy wife, um, uh, trophy wife, not trophy life. <laughs> <clears throat> the um the glass you know glass office and all that stuff um and it just i just thought i don't want to be you i don't want to be the one who's there you know missing their kids birthday parties which i saw happen um so in that 10 months i was there i learned so much about people that i just you know it was such an amazing experience it was terrible but it was great in so many ways um so for me that was just like okay if i go down this path path even a little bit i'm going to end up there um i'm going to end up in this trajectory where i'm kind of just looking for more and no matter how much you know if you work in the city doesn't matter how much you earn, there's always going to be someone who's richer than you. There's always going to be someone with a bigger car, um, more trophy wife, whatever that means. Um, and just, yeah, you'll, ne you'll never feel like you're there because there's always someone richer. You know, it doesn't matter how That's big your yacht is. Yeah, if your goal is to have everything or yeah. have more, then yeah, you'll never get it. Yeah, and what I'm always interested in is what, at what price. Um, 
So one of the questions I asked in this blog post is, is the money worth the price? Is the money a price worth paying? So when I see some of the big house, big car, all the trappings of wealth, it's great for them. But then what you don't see and often you find is they're leaving work for work at five in the morning yeah. or they're traveling for three hours in the train or they're stressed out because they're having to go to a client meeting at nine o'clock at night or whatever. Their, their kind of autonomy, like you talked about, has been taken away from them. And so that's great to have all that stuff, but it comes with a cost. And for me personally, that wasn't what I wanted. And so I think I learned a lesson at a young age that money doesn't equal happiness. I think that's probably what we're about is, you know, it's not as simple as people think it is. And so making these tough choices is um, we've seen more difficult, but actually more fruitful in the long term. Yeah. And I think I, I hear people talk, when I talk, we talk about this stuff, when I say what we do, you know, so money isn't important. Yeah. Money is important. You know, to a certain level, you need to put food on the table. You need to have a warm home. If you've got kids, you need to look after your kids. You can't be reckless. But at the same time, there's only so much you really need when you think about it. And Anything more, you know, a nicer car, a bigger car, a more fancy holiday. In the end, why do you want a more fancy holiday? Because you want to have a nice time. You can have a nice time anywhere as long as you know exactly what you enjoy, whether it's, but is it, you just want to be enjoying having a family time where you want to go out with your friends. If you could have more money, but you don't have the time to do that, then it doesn't really, it doesn't really stack up. And that's the thing about, um, we, we're looking for that balance. You know, we want to be able to create a, a sustainable business we want to be able to create sustainable lives which involves money but then where do you stop and mm. then what choices do you make to make sure that you don't veer too much in one direction so um so case clump is a friend of ours from the community um he he talks about the idea of minimum viable profit um so in terms of it's another minimum viable thing um there's a few of those um but the idea that like generally purposeful companies and individuals you could argue um they, they make enough profit to, to achieve their mission. It's not about how much can we maximize from our customers, but actually how much profit do we need to do the thing we need to do? And likewise, I think you can apply that. You can say minimum viable salary, maybe in terms of like, how much do I um, want to earn that gives me what I need or will give me what my family needs without it coming at the cost of the time or the um, stress or whatever it might be that's going to just make me burn out and actually make me lose all the energy that I need to make my probably make anyone who works with you burn out because if you are focused on more more higher faster you know you can always become more efficient you can always work harder and you can always cut more costs but then at some point someone's going to get stressed out someone's going to not basically burn out yeah Uh, and someone's yeah going to just probably leave if you're in a business like that with people who just felt like they're treated like assets that you need to squeeze yeah and we see it happen with people who start their own business too. So I talked about the idea of, you know, growth and scale and all that stuff. But um, yeah, just because you start your own business doesn't mean you don't lose that control. And that's the hardest thing, I think, is when you've got employees, you've got a team, you've got potentially investors too, people who've got a, an interest in your business, mainly um, for the money, to be honest, a lot of the time, then how do you say no to them? You know, how do you sort of not let the business go in one direction? Yeah. And so... Well, this is the interesting thing. It's like, and I probably this is the thing that a lot of people just don't get. It's like when you say when the business isn't just about the money, because a lot of people think business is just about money. Yeah. The business of business is business, apparently. <laughs> and I think that's maybe the, the thing, the, the flip, the switch that needs to be flipped in some people. And for us, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a journey trying to work that out in terms of how do you, how do you create a business that makes money for you to live, but at the mm. same time, money not being the sole objective. Yeah, exactly. But I think we, well, we talked about needs a little bit earlier, but generally I think companies are 
are the founders playing out their needs. You know, it's most people start things for a reason, you know, and often they don't know the reason, but it's there somewhere. It's a need inside them. Um, you know, for us with the happy startups, we'd already run a business before. So I think our needs were a bit clearer because we had a business, we had a, we were self-employed, we were, you know, we had autonomy to some extent, but it was something that was beyond that. You know, it wasn't just about making money because we didn't start a happy startup store to make money. And if anything, it was not important that it made money. But one of the things was, it was a bit about the impact. We were working with, when we were working as an agency, we were working with single groups of people. So an entrepreneurs or a single business. And so the, the ideas we had and the things we thought we could make change or we could the impact we could make was very small scale. We always thought, how can we scale that impact without scaling the number of people yeah. who work in the business? And that was us. That was a selfish thing. We don't want to employ a whole load of people, but we want to be able to create a whole load of impact. Yeah. How does that work? That was the need. No idea how the money works with that. <laughs> it was something that we tried to pursue, again, instinctively, rather than, right, this is the five-year plan, this is the exit, yeah. this is the big, you know, the big business model. I think the thing that gave me confidence um, and does about the work we do is that the stuff we're talking about is universal, and I don't feel like it's, um, whilst, you know, there's this whole, like, purpose washing, you know, we see companies now trying to shoehorn purpose, and just like you've got greenwashing years ago, um, the whole happiness industry is now very trendy and, you know, you even see like coloring books with happiness on them and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I think the values that we talk about are universal and I think would be, you know, relevant in 10 years or 20 years as they are now. So in terms of our business, it's evolving, but in terms of what we do and how we do it, I think that, sorry, how we do it, you know, it could be, we do anything, but it's just, you know, it's going to be the our way. Why that stays the same more or less? Yeah. So we, why we're doing it. our brand is, is us, you know, it's the way we do stuff. And so I think that's what, um, you know, means that we can apply it to different things. So if you think of brands that you love, chances are you can think of them doing different products or services because it's the way they do it. And the same with us. So, um, yeah, I believe there is seems to be a shift in people whilst, it's almost like we're at peak stuff, you know, <laughs> isn't it? We're at stuffocation. I think particularly now you can go onto Amazon and you can buy just about anything you want and have it delivered the next day and probably on a credit card. And so for that reason, there is no barrier to getting more stuff. I was going to say shit, but yes, there's, it's so easy for us now. And particularly us in this beautiful Western world society kind of lost touch with some of the kind of basic needs that we should be addressing. Yeah, well, I think one interesting, so there's a great book called um, Give and Take by Adam Grant. Um, actually, it's quite heavy in places, it's quite academic, but in terms of the overall message it puts out is, is, is an interesting one. Um, what he did was he studied lots of successful people and some not so successful people and just looked at different patterns and what made, um, what, what made people successful and likewise what made people not succeed. And uh, what he found was actually, um, I suppose the most giving people were at the top, but they were also at the bottom. So um, what that showed was actually, it's not about um, are you kind and look after others or are you completely selfish? It's not like, you know, polar opposites. There's actually a group of people which he called otherish. And what he meant by that was um, they're very giving people. They, they actually have lots of energy because they also keep their own. I think the way he describes it is like you keep your own um, sort of well-being and your own needs in the rearview mirror. mirror. So whilst you're giving of your time, there's a, there's a limit to it. And that, what that means is actually you end up becoming more generous and more altruistic because you have more energy. And a lot of the time, the people who are purely selfless, purely looking after other people, and I think this is my, um, often my challenge with you talking about like social entrepreneurship or something where you've got a real mission, you know, it's like giving everything for everyone else. At some point, you're going to run out of fuel because you're going to be so burnt out 
putting everyone else's needs before your own. So it's this sort of tension between doing something for yourself and being a bit selfish with, you know, being in tune to why you're doing something. And I think, you know, happiness really comes from helping others. So, yeah, the way I look at it in, the, in my head to try to write something about this is you can either be a slave or you can actually be of service. And I think the thing about being a slave is that you don't, you, your needs are not taken into account. So you could be a slave to money, you could be a slave to charity, you could be a slave to anything that where you, you're having to give more than you, you can take from it. But when you're in service, for me, the way I define that is that you're in flow and you're using that flow, whether because you're, you're happy about yourself and your, your needs are being satisfied, but you're using that energy to then create more in the world and to actually serve other people because you're coming from a position of strength, not a position of weakness. And I think that is that, that balance being you're like, actually, I'm doing stuff I love. And not only that, everyone is getting love. Everyone's getting stuff. Everyone's getting something from this. So, for, and that, then again, ties back to the needs, really understanding what, where are your strengths? The strength being, what is the stuff that you love doing? Yeah. And a lot of people don't know. Exactly. But I think also, we've also found that too. It's like, oh, you know, we would like, to, we always feel like we can do more. And there's also, lots of people who need our support, lots of people who come to space even or contact us who, who want help. And, you know, a lot of the time we, we can't always help everyone. We'd love to. And that's why we're trying to create this community is like we can connect people with other people who can help them. Um, but also we have needs too. We need to make this sustainable. Otherwise we won't be around. And that's, you know, the journey we've been on is trying to build the business whilst trying to um, be on a mission. And it's that kind of, not tension, but it's that balance you need to find. And so um, we're always conscious of, you know, um, it's like putting your own life jacket on, you know, um, without being selfish is like, we need to be sort of well and healthy and kind of energized to create this thing we're trying to create so that we can support everyone and, and really have that energy to do it and, and push it forward. So, um, yeah, I think someone mentioned recently that, yeah, as long as you then use that energy to, to help others and that's what this is all about really. Yeah. Um, so quickly we wanted to do some questions so, yeah, a couple already. Um, so I think before we do that, there's some books to read if you're interested. So Stuffocation we mentioned by James Woolman Woman, um, is a good one. Uh, Essentialism, I can't remember the guy's name, but check that out, Essentialism. Um, Zen Habits, so some of you may have seen Zen Habits, Leo Babauta, who writes a blog post, uh, sorry, a blog about that, and has written a book um, called The Power of Less, I think, which is a good book about simplicity too. And all sorts of other stuff. If you're interested in minimalism and all that, I don't think we go as far as that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a thing about how minimal can you be. But yeah, it's actually excessive, <laughs> excessive minimalism. Yeah, it ends up getting com uh, competitive about how little stuff you've got rather than how much stuff you've got. So, yeah, there's a really good podcast as well in terms of if you're trying to understand the balance. If you, if you're, particularly if you're running a startup and you're trying to understand how you balance life and, and business, there's a Zen founder. It's really quite a good. There are there are a couple of ones it's like Shelley, uh, I forgot her name. But anyway, one's a founder, one's a psychologist, and they bounce off each other, husband wife team. So it's really quite interesting. Cool. Um, so yeah, I think reading reading up on this stuff, I think one thing we found useful is just understanding what it is you want, really understanding what is it that you're looking to create and trying to build some um, constraints within that, so you can actually say no to stuff. You know? So knowing knowing why you're saying no to stuff and knowing why you're saying yes to stuff. Um, in that essentialism book, uh, they talk about, I think it's in Derek Sivers, um, um, sort of blog post where he talks about, um, hell yeah. So if you if you get an opportunity to do something, unless it's a hell yeah, say no. So, um, the thinking behind that is unless you feel really excited by doing it, 
then you're not going to put any effort into it really. And if it's just a kind of, man, I'm not so sure about this project. Yeah. It's a should. And, and then it, yeah, if it's a should, um, we had that in the past when we were running an agency, you take on projects because it pays the bills, your heart's not really in it. And then those projects always end up being like longer and less profitable. Yeah, stuff. exactly. So I think just being in tune to that, understanding why saying no and, and understanding that saying no often means uncertainty. You don't know what's coming next. So being okay with that, being okay with a bit of, um, a bit of space. Every no is a yes to something else. There you go. Carlos is a walking um, <laughs> inspirational quote machine. Yeah, lots, of, lots of mugs in my house. Yeah. You know, you get those guys, I saw a guy yesterday who's like poet for hire on the South Bank. Um, you know, they, they, they charge, um, they could say like, pay whatever you want, pay okay. whatever you feel, and I'll write you a poem. Oh, okay. You could be like do inspirational that. quotes for hire. So, you know. Tap me up on Twitter and Slack. I think you should do that. So write in the station. I, I would come. Hey, cool. Um, so yeah, I think work out what you want, make some small positive changes towards it, not being so hard on yourself. Stop stop getting in your own head as well. I think so many people just, you know, a bit too much about me, me, me. So connecting with other people, you know, us building this community is all about um, sharing what you're trying to create. And by putting it out there and just actually saying it, it makes it more real. And then through that, hopefully other people can help you be accountable, can push you in the right direction. And you're not just on your own, surrounded by potentially naysayers who don't really get what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing is, a lot of people are quite happy for you to be in that comfort zone you're in, you know, that pithole they've created for you. So that's going to be difficult to get out of if, you know, it almost challenges them if you step outside it, you know, so there's one guy who's coming to altitude who, um, who's in, a, in the real estate industry and he's stepping out to do his own, his own um, um, mission. And it's all about starting from the bricks. So he wants to learn how to lay bricks and learn what it takes to build, build a property and through that create this eco empire and it's a really inspiring story but everyone around him in his work's like why would you want to do that it's never going to work you're crazy you're not going to scale you know a big business well i think it's also it challenges them because they're in that in that position yeah that's the thing is like if this is one of those troubles that you have when you have conversations with people well, us particularly because we're quite passionate about what we do is you do challenge people's existing belief systems and existing ways of living and we're we're not there for sort of pissing on people's parades and downing people's you know, this is just us being honest about what we think and the way things should be. And it's an invitation for other people to explore. Yeah, and I think I think the key thing is being surrounded by other people who are challenging that gives people confidence that they're not alone, they're not crazy. Or maybe they are crazy, but there's other crazy people out there too. Yeah. So we've got I mean, a whole group of them. Yeah, no, we've got loads <laughs> we can introduce you to. Um but yeah, questions. I'm conscious we are so a few familiar names on there. Should we start with Meg? Or Ankit's on there. Ankit as well. Ankit, who's a an amazing guy from India who um, yeah, he's got Ashram in the February. Yeah, he's got some great moves. Um, <laughs> and Wake It was on there as well. So okay. One of our team from Spook Studio a few years ago. Um, but yeah, make had a question about uh, money. I know. I have a challenging relationship with money and I'm inclined to always see lack rather than abundance. Me too. Uh, and we're going to be doing some work on that next Monday. Any top tips for that? But totally agreeing with everything you say about not being driven by profit, etc. Cool. So... Top tips about, yeah, feeling the lack of money. It's really interesting, the money thing. So like Carla said, we're doing a workshop on Monday with our friend Tom Nixon, um, who does some money workshops around getting people to understand their relationship to money and how to how to develop better relationships to it. Um, Monday session is all about co-founders. So getting co-founders to come together um, to connect and sort of share um, what's going on for them. And part of that is money, because if you think you're starting out a business together and you've got a different um, view of money, 
and you don't really sort of tap into that, you're going to have wildly different views on the way you structure your business, the way decisions you make, everything, you know, fears you have, yeah, projects you take on, how much you charge. Um, yeah. So like, I think the key thing is understanding it, being aware of it is, is the first thing, understanding that like Meg, she's got a challenge with always seeing, you know, scarcity almost. And that's a very real, it's a very it's a real global need, and most people feel like that. Yeah. And, um, I think the natural thing is when that happens to like close the doors down. So all I can talk is from our perspective. I know when we were in the agency, we were starting at the beginning. Um, you know, when, when you lose a client or something um, doesn't go well, then you tend to like kind of close the doors and say, well, we're not going to go out to anything. We're just going to like cut all our costs, just kind of work really hard to get our next clients. When actually what you should probably do is spend some money, go to a conference, go to meet people, go to, um, you know, something that's not even anything to do with your business that will actually probably unlock something or create a connection or lead to something which is going to get you that client. So it's it's a real difficult, it's almost like a complete oblique way of achieving yeah, a goal. One way for me of thinking about it is really just thinking what's the worst that can happen? You know, how bad can it get? Because once you know, we used to do this at home school, you'd have the um, pre-mortem for a project. This is kind of a pre-mortem for your money situation. It's like, what's the worst it could really, really get? And then through thinking about that, you kind of think, actually, I can do this to avoid that. I can do that to avoid that. And so you remove that anxiety because it's like the anxiety, oh, I'm not going to have any money. But actually, I'm never going to get to not having mm -hmm. any money. And by thinking about what it means to not have any money, so oh, I could probably get a, a part-time job somewhere or I could reduce the amount of stuff I buy. You start thinking of solutions for that. And then you come from a position of like, okay, actually, if I explore more and I meet more people, I create more opportunities, I get to, you know, may get that new job or, or find the right clients because I'm actually out there rather than from a position of fear where you're not wanting to go anywhere. And then that's going to be a self-actuating situation. And people smell it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think you really smell fear and then you don't want to work with anyone who's scared. No. I think one thing, one other thing is just looking at people that you know around you who seem to be lucky or seem to always, money just comes to them somehow. Um, but often it isn't luck, you know, it's, it's a different type of luck. It's luck that comes out of opportunity, like you said, and just being exposed to different situations, or maybe they're a people person and they like, you know, just, um, being very sociable. And then through that, just stuff comes to them. So learning from that in terms of what can you do that will help to, um, create that in your world a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, there's so much stuff out there that you can, um, read, look into around just creating more opportunity, serendipity, you know, how to to just randomly provide sort of happenstance almost you know lead to some outcome that you're looking for um but i think it does take time you know all these money stories these habits in our head take years to unlock to unravel my personal view is the less the more you push it aside and not think about it and think oh there's, there's this whole money thing going on now even just like managing finances we basic stuff like that the more it becomes an anxiety because it's unknown the more you face it head on it's like right this is actually how much i've got and this is what i need then you can start, you know, taking control of the situation. But hey, that's a more Alvin Hall approach. Well, I think yeah, quickly I was just going to say for, for the rest of the thing that's worked is like Carla said, planning, you know, planning for disaster. What, what's the worst that would happen? How, you know, and then understanding you get out of that. But I think the other thing is then forgetting about the money. So almost every time we've tried to set ourselves targets for, you know, reaching financial targets, it's always like crashed and burned. Um, when we just focus on the thing and making the thing great, whatever the thing is we're creating then the money just comes because, you know, people can feel the, the care that's been put into it. And I think if you're trying to be 
well, like you've got that scarcity mindset, then often then people can smell it and it feels very desperate. And so that's something else to be aware of is, you know, almost like the, the less you need money, the more it comes to you. Yeah. Which is, um, yeah, if you ever try to get a loan from a bank, that's generally <laughs> what happens. They'll lend to you when you don't need it and not the other way around. <laughs> cool. So we have Sarah for the questions. Yeah, feel free to post best questions if you're watching and you want to you um, dip into the conversation. So what do you do if you have too many hell yes? How do you choose? Well, that's a very real one for us, isn't it? I would say. Yeah, I think well, you only have too many hell yeses if you don't really tap into, you know, really what you need, understanding what it is that really... Because for me, having too many hell yeses is just a symptom of not really knowing what you want to do. If you're really clear, yeah. then you're easily prioritised. And I think what you want will change over time, of course. That's what I think. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I... I know what I'm going to have for the rest of my life and these are my needs and they're going to be fixed. I, I, totally, I don't agree with that anymore. I think you really tap into what do you need now? What is the, the right thing for you now? <clears throat> and then that will influence the hell yes. Um, you know, we, we, you could, we could do workshops with corporates. We could do events, you know, massive, regular events here, right? Mm -hmm. We could do this, we could do that. But then how does that relate to what you want yeah. in terms of how that and the other needs in your life, whether it's time, family, impact you know serving your existing community whatever it is you know, do you really want that or do you really want this yeah i think what i found an opportunity to come away in collaborations and sort of um you know invites to do things and i think we're getting better at sort of deciding which of those things is the best use of our time but sometimes we say yes to things and they don't work out and it feels to me it's almost a bit lazy guru style like you know this, um workshop we did recently around um sort of being more productive with less effort, but also really just um, not forcing things. And in terms of the creative process, what I found is actually, you might say yes to something, but if, if it starts to feel like hard work or it starts to feel like a thing you have to do, um, whereas other projects you might say yes to and they just naturally flow and become so much easier, then it's almost having that sort of, um, I don't know, um, organic way of looking at things that you don't, not, not everything kind of succeeds or fails. Some things just kind of hit a plateau and just don't work out for whatever reason, being comfortable with just ending it there rather than trying to force it, which, you know, if you have a, a client, obviously you have to a lot of times see that through, but it can feel like getting blood from the stone. But I think that comes from honesty and knowing where to say no. And yeah. I think through that honesty, you'll find a path to serve a client that you don't really want to serve. Uh, you just, you doing neither yourselves any favours. No. So being able to say, this is where I'm at. I don't think I want to do this anymore. You know, being honest with that, easier said than done, but I think it's probably going to be better in the long run. And similarly with any projects and things that you're doing, there's that sunk cost fallacy. You feel like I've spent a year doing this, I must continue to do it. So I actually probably get a lot better um, benefit in the future if you just dropped it and dropped it in a little good way rather than just being burnt out and not being able to continue with that yeah. project that is. Exactly. Um, so in that Lazy Guru workshop, one thing we had to do is like list out all our shoulds in terms of all the things we should do. I should get back to this client. I should work on this project. I should do this. I should do that. Um, once you kind of aware of those things, then it becomes easy, I think, to then know, okay, this feels like someone else's burden on me. And so being, being aware of that is one thing. Um, one quick thing I would say on the hell yeah thing is um, in that essentialism book, they talk about... Um, like different uh, criteria you can set for a yes. So unless it fulfills all this, all these questions, all criteria, unless each one of them is a yes, then say no. So maybe it's, does it help us achieve our mission? Does it help us 
achieve our financial goals? Does it tap into these needs? Let's just say yes for all of them, then you won't, yeah, most likely say yes to it. Cool. cool. I think we're we're over time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so thanks a lot for joining. Um, and yeah, we'll be like this post. Yeah, if you want us to do it again, like it, yeah. um, share it. Um, Share your simplicity stories. Yeah, exactly. Comment on if you have any questions or any thoughts, or even you don't agree. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, if you want a more complex on. life, then dip <laughs> into the conversation. And um, yeah, we're heading out to the woods on Monday, and we're doing a series of six um, spring school workshops. So again, we like doing stuff in more simple settings, like the woods. So if you're interested, go to our website, thehappystartschool.com. Um, we've got workshops on co-founding, storytelling, uh, everything in between so yeah come and along. we have summer camp in september yeah and we have altitude in june yeah so check out the website we're on twitter facebook at some point we'll be on youtube yeah we're not on snapchat and we're not on snapchat <laughs> and we are on whatsapp <laughs> too many channels too many channels so yeah maybe the next webinar should be about um social media overload yeah simple socials and you can follow that on facebook twitter instagram <laughs> uh, snapchat <laughs> and whatever the kids use in these days. Exactly. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.